Mummy. Mummy, I want to go on that ride there. What ride's this then? It's with Tiwanaku Naku Expedition, Mummy. It's an amazing ride to a mystical place in South America. That you can't pronounce. It's Tiwa Naku, Mummy. I want to go on the ride, please. What that? The one with all the stones? Right, it's mysterious stones, Mummy. Please let me go on the ride. There's nothing mysterious about rocks. Nigel, if you want something mysterious, you go down the street to the butcher. Butcher gives me nightmares, Mummy. Too right, Nigel. <laughs> Please, Mummy, please go on a ride with me. It's the last one of the day. Oh, very well, then. This is the best holiday ever, Mummy. Thank you. And now, a carriage approaches, taking you into the boundless realm of the supernatural. Once on board, remain safely seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside. And watch your children, please. <laughs> Permanezca sentado los manos, brazos, pies y piernas delante de barco. Y suida los sus niños. Muchas gracias. Welcome to the ride of mystery. Buckle up. <laughs> Oh gosh! Uh, everybody, keep your your hands inside the ride here, mm-hmm. or you you may lose them yep. because this is blurry photos, That's and I right. am David Flora. I'm David Stecco, and just pleading with you, keep your seatbelt fastened until the ride comes to a full and complete stop. And make sure your children are with you at all times and not mm-hmm. running amok yeah. out in the, uh, the. You're better than that. Come on, <laughs> out at the uh, ice cream stand of of the unknown. Dippin' dots. The dippin' dots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the part where we complain about how f***ing hot it is every time. Yeah. This is the part where we talk to you like you're there and are able to answer. And Wherever we you are, it's hot. Yeah. It's, I think I can assume that safely. Period. Yeah. yeah. We are trying to combat it this week. We've got... Yeah. Uh, Gangster do-rags. <laughs> we look really cool. Yeah. I've got a headband and Flora's got a skull cap. And we're like... We're like um, when boy bands try to make that one album cover where they look badass. <laughs> We're failing, yeah. just like they. Do. We're like a boy band. I I'm not actually um, a Joy Fatone. I'm Joy Fat One. <laughs> Can we make a boy band? Can we make a two band boy band and put on an album? I'm fine with it. If Sweet. people don't like singing, no, they don't. They people pay Justin Bieber, so they don't like singing. Wow. For a list of burn centers, please contact. That's right. You're going to um, have to go back to Canada to get cooled off from that one, BB. But you can't because it's hot in Canada, too. Yeah, it's hot everywhere. So, uh, complaining about the heat is done. Nice. Uh, <laughs> we got uh, we got a fun one. Yeah, here. this is great. This is, uh, this is uh, something, once again, we throw down the gauntlet with that ancient alien's hack wit. Oh, gosh. Hair, hairdo. Yeah. You... Hairdo M- McAllister. I... I got to tell you something like I have uh, loathed that gentleman for a long time with virtually no evidence. 
just on faith alone. Because I am, I am a man of faith. And when I believe that I can hate someone, I make that happen. And so uh, in my research for this week, which let's just take the, 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 Cover drape, off the, yeah, the drape away from the cage. But, <laughs> let's wake this bird of mystery up. Yeah, uh, we're, we're going with uh, Tiwanaku, mm. which is uh, a Bolivian mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, archaeological site with some of the most amazingly precise stonework ever anywhere. Of all. Um, so anyway, back to my thing, sure. like the ancient aliens guy. He is a barely literate Greek. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, really? Giorgio Sukalopoulos or whatever his <laughs> yeah. name is? I didn't clue I, you here's in. Here's the thing. I don't need to know anything to hate someone. <laughs> his name was Athena Tzatziki yeah. uh, sauce. <laughs> <laughs> <Spanicopita>. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't need to know anything to hate someone. That's the beauty of being me. I don't. I can hate with no information, just because I'm hooked on a feeling. <laughs> and so, in in researching this, uh, because this is something that ancient aliens like made sweet love to. Like oh yeah, he yeah. Crawled into satin sheets with Tiwanaku. Yeah. And got his filthy, grubby Greek paws all over. Her. <laughs> um, but yeah, he his English is terrible. He doesn't make any sense. And I'm I'm doubly furious. Well, I, I feel like he's kind of uh, blindly faithful of of his theory, right? Just like you're blindly faithful of your hatred towards yeah. him. Yeah. Guess what? One of our theories got proved correct. <laughs> <laughs> Scores one to nothing, Greeky. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are there any good slurs for Greeks? <laughs> <laughs> Write us in. Send us an email. <laughs> See, I'm comfortable with call- I'm comfortable with just saying hairdo, and you're like, let me get a good Greek slur in there. We'd be what? real racist just towards this one asshat. Technically, it's nationalist, but I I think that it's uh, points for me that I don't know any. Like, I must be living pretty clean if I don't know any. So, Greeky, that's what you get. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> okay. So, so uh, checklist complaining about the heat, <laughs> complaining about Greeks. Yeah. <laughs> just Xenoph- one Greek. Xenophobic though. diatribe. Yeah. yeah. Just, just one Greek. Just uh, one Greek. The rest of you guys are, are fine when yeah. you're not messing up. You guys are, the rest of you are the good ones. He is, <laughs> he is a bad apple. That guy. I got my eye on him. Smells like uh, goat cheese. I'd like, uh, I'd like to go visit your country and have fun. But that one guy, the one guy, oh, he stays away. You better look out. <laughs> I don't even know what accent that was. Yeah, you know what? It, it's, it'll do. It wasn't every man. <laughs> uh, Mediterranean every man. Yeah. Go. All right. Uh, so, Tiwanaku. Uh, Tiwanaku. Uh, as we as we said, uh, Bolivian. Now, this uh, we're, we're going to talk this episode about uh, what exactly it is, where it, where it is, uh, why, and how it's significant. Uh, maybe some theories on how it could have been constructed. Yep, a and, lot of uh, theories. Yeah, just uh, t- talk about some some fun South American uh, folklore and myths. Yeah. And now this and this is a, a a great episode because it taps into one of those those huge uh, categories of the unexplained. The the this this is a lot of ancient aliens talk. Yeah, a lot of chari- chariots of the gods kind of thing, like mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is which is a big pillar in the pantheon of the unknown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd say that. So yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna do some service there. Yeah. Um, let's, let's get into it and start our journey here yeah. in the highlands of the Andes mountains. So we're talking about the ancient city state of Tiwanaku in Western Bolivia. Uh, this is about 
12 miles east of Lake Titicaca. <laughs> and around seven... I, there's, there's a bunch more to go here. I'm going I'm to be saying Titicaca a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that was just fun to do. Uh, by the way, Bolivia is, uh, just uh, for your edification, located in the central portion of South America, right between Brazil and Peru, right above Chile. And it has no coastline. It's kind of like right right in the middle of the middle of South America. Yeah, yeah. Right up in the Andes Mountain Range, right in there. And uh, it's about uh, 700 kilometers or 434 miles east-southeast of our friends in Nazca in Peru. And about 600 kilometers or somewhere around 372 miles southeast of the Machu Picchu. The famous Machu Picchu. That's what. That's a day's drive. You could do that in a day. Sure. The elevation here, we're about 12,600 feet above sea level. Whoa. Pretty high. That's above Timberline, son. Yeah. And uh, this uh, this was a, a pre-Columbian city. It's a, a precursor to the Inca Empire. And it was a regional capital for an estimated 500 years, if, if not more, they say. That's legit. Some scholars believe it to be the oldest city in the world. Oh, really? And we'll tell you more on that later. Nobody likes a tease. Uh, well, I'm going to tease you. Oh, you Sorry. better. You're going to learn to like it. <laughs> this, is, this, just, this whole thing got creepy real fast. <laughs> the first recorded discovery of it was in uh, 1549 by Pedro Cieza de Leon, a Spanish a conquistador. Ay, ay, ay. Dramatic guitar. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use the sh- out of that. <laughs> Uh, this was believed to be inhabited as early as 1500 BCE, but its height of the civilization was somewhere between 300 CE to 1000 CE. Uh, no, that's common era. That's also mm-hmm. AD to some folks. Sure, sure. That's a good 700 years uh, difference, I, I realize. The reason that it's such a wide uh, buffet of, of time there for you to snack on is because we don't have a, a written language to go from. Yeah, yeah, that they were weirdly complex. Mm-hmm. They, they, they did really intricate stonework, but not only like on a massive scale as far as making large stone uh, buildings, but also really detailed small scale sculpture i mean there were there was a, a, an artistry there was there was mm-hmm. but no written language but to our knowledge no no writings about it we only have to rely on some oral history from the the region and uh, what we have gotten from the conquistadors uh, after they got there in the, the 16th century. Which have always been such reliable uh, right. you know, students of sociology and anthropology. Re- reliable, non-biased, right. non-Christian slanted. After arriving, I learned this is a people of liars. When asked <laughs> about gold, they said they had none. When asked about silver, again, they said they had none. I have tortured most of the village and am disappointed at the number of liars I'm finding here. <laughs> I now name this the village of Menteroso. <laughs> that was a uh, page out of a conquistador's diary. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, wait. He would have had a Barcelona accent. Damn it. I blew it. <laughs> Maybe next time. Yeah, well, regret. Uh, they're thought to be agriculturally based with uh, food as, as a source of wealth and power in the region. Not to say they didn't have, you know, their their precious metals and stuff around there, but... Which we're going to get into. Right. Teaser. Uh, it seems as though a pretty substantial drought occurred around 950 CE 
that lasted until the civilization perished around 1000. Which will happen. Give or take. And it wasn't until 1445 that uh, another great civilization emerged, this being the Incas up there in Peru, across the pond, as it were. But not the, the <laughs> pond, just, you know, the Titicaca pond. <laughs> it's the best lake in the world, <laughs> which is not small. Can you tell us a little? Tell us a little bit about uh, titty caca. You got it. Well, the first part of the word, titty. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, the, the geography of the. Oh, word. <laughs> my mistake. <laughs> any any credibility we had have ever had quickly getting uh, uh, flushed down the toilet. Lake Titicaca forms a natural barrier between Bolivia and Peru. It is the South America's largest lake and also one of the most navigable lakes on the planet mm-hmm. owing to its location and mild weather. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, some people say it's it's one of, if not the highest navigable lake yeah. in the world. Some people say that. A lot of people. They're scientists. <laughs> um, I just, I'm just saying if I walked into a bar, not the first thing I'd say. Just mean, sure, sure, sure. Putting it out there. So, uh, <laughs> the is, first thing that you say when you walk into a bar, who wants to get this fucking <laughs> party started? That's right. <laughs> I get kicked out of so many bars and churches. <laughs> are you uh, you going to drink that sacrificial wine? <laughs> you going to finish that? Just trying to get a buzz out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, what's the importance of this? Why are we talking about this? Uh, it, it's fun, great, yeah, yeah. history. What, what is this, the Travel Channel? What, what no, is Come on. there's a reason. <laughs> the reason is their stonework. Their terrifyingly precise stonework and how old it is. And for, the terrifying size of, yeah. of the stones themselves. Yeah, it is, uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, look it up. Now, you can look it up. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out right now. Oh, goodness. Yeah, you know it. It's spelled T-I-W-A-N-A-K-U. Also, you can find a lot of pictures under uh, the name Pumapunku, which is P-U-M-A-P-U-N-K-U, which is a, a large temple part of this complex at uh, Tiwanaku. There, there are multiple spellings of both of these. If you want a, a different spelling of Tiwanaku, uh, it's also under T-I-A-H-U-A-N-A-C-O. Was that easier, everybody? Did you like Flora's version more with the all with all the the uh, unnecessary H's? With all the trying not to swear. I'm so upset. Just trying not to swear. Now I know for future reference. Yeah, it's really hard for me not to swear. The stonework, these stones themselves, they're made of red sandstone and andesite which is an igneous rock that's found in the area. And they were used in the construction of what we just said, Puma Punku, which is a temple complex, at the whole site of Tiwanaku. The biggest stone slab or, or piece of rock that's uh, at this site is estimated to be somewhere around the, the territory of 131 metric tons, with the next biggest being at uh, around 85 metric tons. 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 That's tons. T-O-N-S. <laughs> so what's more, the stone has been determined to have come from quarries that are 10 kilometers or around 6 miles away. And some of them, even from 90 kilometers or around 55 miles away, across part of Lake Titicaca on the Copacabana Peninsula. <laughs> this is the best episode ever! <laughs> So think about that. You're getting blocks that are many, many tons. Yeah, hundreds of tons in some cases. 
and they are being brought there from anywhere from six miles to 55 miles away. Ugh. Hmm. And, but but then it's not wasted effort. Like they know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the like when you when you look at pictures of this place, it it looks it looks like concrete. Yeah, it looks it really it's, does. It's on a par with like what we could do today, and they're doing this. You know, on <laughs> who, who at, knows? at least a thousand years ago. Yeah, maybe more. Probably more. Probably more. The the massive blocks were cut so precisely that when fitted together. Couldn't get a razor in between them. Yeah. You can't even get a razor in there. Uh, Additionally, the shapes that were cut are many faceted. There are H blocks that have a ton of of faces on them, Mm -hmm. you know, right angles here and there that that come down. There are eye cramps that that go on there that is thought to hold some of the blocks together. Yeah, they're, they're cutouts in two contiguous blocks in the shape of an eye that they would then pour uh, molten metal into. Mm-hmm. And as the metal hardened, it would contract slightly and arc, just park those blocks together, which is amazingly complex. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and smart. They had sophisticated interlocking grooves that fit together. You compare it to like uh, puzzle pieces or Lego blocks, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Only if you're thinking of it like a Lego block, think of it with like a ton more sides to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> In addition to the large cutting surfaces, there's also, uh, you know, like you said, and this is the same thing we saw at Gobekli Tepe, not only relief work where they're carving into the stone designs, but also uh, the reverse of that where they've carved the entire stone back to to leave something sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh so in both in, in both measures they're they're doing amazingly accurate geometric stonework, but they've also uh, drilling yeah, uh, there's through holes. the stone uh perfectly round uh, everything's a straight line. It just it's so precise that it is no shock that the ancient aliens folks came crawling out of their <laughs> stinky stinky Bennigans. <laughs> The surface of these is incredibly smooth as well. Yeah, And uh, the 90-degree angles that are cut into these things, mm-hmm. the, it just defies the technology that is thought to have existed at the time. Especially with a people that, for all we know, had no writing. And it's also been said they probably didn't even know about the wheel. Now, that is interesting. When I hear the, the scientists, archaeologists, and, and stuff say, like, yeah, they didn't, they didn't have the wheel... They barely had fire, but then they were making this stuff. They're farming. Yeah. I I just, something something raises a red flag with me. Right. And you know what? And this is, I, I'm glad you said that because I was, I'm thinking this. I feel, and especially in like in a lot of the other things that we've covered, that there's, there's a, uh, there's almost like an institutional racism in archaeology. There, there is somehow this belief that while there was a lot of people living all together in South America, that they were pretty much all running around chasing each other with clubs all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's there and, and there's this oh, but but you know Rome and the Babylonians and the Chinese were you know, they're getting all this done and this is the same thing. These people mm-hmm. were highly intelligent, very organized, but for some reason, these these huge South American civilizations that rivaled anything else that was happening in the world. They kind of always are assumed to not be as good. And yeah. I don't know why that is. We saw the same thing at Gobekli Tepe. Yeah. The whole reason that they base this uh, assumption that they had such limited technology is because there's been no evidence found of it. Now, just because it's it's not found in the probably 10% of the site that they've excavated of this right. thing. That's a hell of a 
a thing to say. Well, I yeah. I didn't find a picture of a man breathing, so I assume that they all suffocated. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, like as we'll get into this a little bit, you you might start seeing, you know, there 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 are reasons why maybe a lot of stuff wouldn't be there mm-hmm. or if it's really as old as some people say it is, maybe that, that stuff has uh, blown away dust in the wind right? kind of stuff. Now, keep in mind, like another system of writing in the same region at the same time are the kipu. It's a system of knots in cords that the, uh, the information runners along these Andean trails oh, would yeah. use to pass information. And it was really complex. Um, I mean, weather, crops... Uh, fiscal information, news. Yeah. It was all embedded in these knots of fiber. And if this civilization is that much older, if they use these fibers, they're long gone. Yeah. So, yeah. Especially if they're made from uh, organic material. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's another really good example. Kipu. It's a great point to bring up because if we're looking for books and tablets that have right. letters etched on them, you're not going to find anything. Right. You got to start thinking about other stuff that could be used. It, it doesn't, just because it doesn't fit in with, you know, oh, our conception of uh, this is this is language and this is a, a writing. If they didn't have what we had, then they were stupid. Right. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't look the way we want it to. So, it's the way we know. Yeah. Look for, it, it, they're, they're looking for the wrong things. They're looking for love and it's all in the wrong places. But, um, we're we're getting a little sidetracked. Uh, let's. <laughs> but if you if you do live in the Midwest or Chicago area, I can highly recommend at the Field Museum. They have an amazing exhibition that is called the Ancient Americas, from the land bridge through the Trail of Tears. It is the Native American in North and South America. Uh, it's such uh, an involved and in depth with with art and artifacts and and in, and interesting uh, information. It's a great exhibit. And How it's long amazing. is that going? It's permanent. Boy, hell, shit. you've got time. <laughs> she, she. Um, so I, yeah. yeah, I need to go to this thing because uh, there's there's another uh, thing that's on the tail of this that that we're going to kind of look into for, mm-hmm. for a later episode. That's going to be fun. Yeah, a little closer to home. So yeah, so I just want to get that out. But uh, yeah, I just I feel like there's like the, South America gets short shrift for no damn good reason. Yeah, and there's a good body of evidence and a future podcast in it for us. For what was going on in North America. Oh, yeah. Which is entirely possible. It was just as complex and perhaps even larger. And, what? And maybe even connected. Yeah. A double what? <laughs> the complex itself, though, right now is in total ruins. Back when the conquistadors found it, it was in total ruins. Yeah. Back when the Incans came down and settled this area. It was in ruins. Yeah. This thing has been ruined for a long time. And getting more ruined by the generation. Every yeah. group that finds it is like, oh my God, this is so interesting. We can build our stuff with all that rock. Yeah, let's kick it around and find <laughs> junk. Yeah, everyone, they've been, uh, even the, the early explorers and conquistadors were like, man, if, if this thing wasn't so remote, it'd be totally gone. Because people still hike all the way up here just to grab a bunch of rocks to help build their homes with. It, it became... Yep. Sort of like a, a local quarry. A sorts. junkyard. Yeah. Yeah. People just came and, and scavenged it for what they wanted. Uh, the stones are scattered. They're toppled. Uh, some are seemingly left between the quarry where the stones were brought from and the complex, which some people suggest maybe that means something happened suddenly and they yeah. just left it right there on the road where it was. And there are also uh, unfinished stones mm-hmm. in the area, which turns out is an enormous boon because you can see 
the process that they went through. You can see, oh, here's a stone that was on its way from the quarry that, yeah. that you know, once you put something that's 85 tons down, no one else picks it up. Right. But you see these stones that are half finished on one side or, you know, it's, it's just, it was really cool because it, whatever the, the, the calamity or whatever happened that made it so fast left kind of a neat, almost a how-to manual of <laughs> sorts, which is ironic because people don't seem to understand how it happened. That's true. There were some stone doorways that were found, uh, as well as some huge stone monoliths that are scattered about. But we mentioned the H stones, which mm-hmm. are like six foot tall letter H's. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 solid. Yeah, um, but they're they're made in what looks like a way that they interlock with each other somehow mm-hmm. or another. There's a wall that has twelve foot high columns carved into human figures, or what look like human figures on there. The wall itself, though, I, I believe has been man-made since. Like, they, it's people that are like, oh, I think it looked like this, and they built up the rocks around there kind of thing. Boo. Yeah. But then again, maybe it helped protect the, the sculptural part. Who knows? Maybe they're heroes. I can't tell. <laughs> I can be your hero. Some guy with a brick and mortar going, like a knight in shining armor, from a long time ago. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Peter Cetera. <laughs> There's one of these doorways called the Gate of the Sun at uh, one of the places in Tiwanaku called Kalasasaya. The Gate of the Sun is a 10-foot-tall, 13-foot-wide doorway made from a single stone and inscribed with iconographic engravings. There's a little uh, figure of a, a man at the very top center of it. And then all around him, there's all these different things that are, that have been carved in there that uh, people have theorized on a lot of things and what, what the carvings and engravings could be. They are pretty sure it's not a language per se, but they think maybe it's a calendar or maybe it represents uh, some, some of the art of the time simply, or it could represent figures in, in a story that revolve around the, the central character that's carved at the top. Could be a comic strip about, um, you know, just foibles in a workplace. <laughs> could be doorway porn. <laughs> that's Not really. doorway porn. <laughs> now, here's a, here's a fun part here. Near Tiwanaku, uh, beside Lake Titicaca, <laughs> yeah. there are giant red granite crests that rise uh, out, out of the ground there. And one such crest has a seven meter high, seven meter wide polished surface with a T-shaped alcove at the bottom that's big enough to fit a man. Uh, it's called Aramu Muru, and there's a legend associated with it being a portal to anything from the spirit world or the home of the gods to hell itself. Boo! People have the the locals have have said they they see lights coming and going from there. People disappear through the the wall, the T shaped alcove. There are many legends of priests and things coming and going from there. They they'll go there and say some incantations, and then a a big blue bright light opens up. And they step through, and they're never seen again. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Of course, the conquistadors thought that it was uh, the gateway to hell. Mm-hmm. So they did everything they could to make people stay away from it. And I think some of that has bled down to get, today. Get away from there. That's, I, that's the doorway to hell. Stay you away. You don't want to run into the devil. He's going to get you. That's the voice of the conquistadors. Yep. So that's that's kind of an overview of the area we're talking about here. Yeah. Pretty, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's fascinating. And the more pictures you see, the more uh, interesting it becomes. It's just so cool. Yeah. Now, let's get into some theories about... Yeah. A quick question, Flora. Yeah. 
Who made them? Oh, well, uh, funny you should ask because no one knows. Dramatic guitar. <laughs> of course. That was great. That was a good combo. <laughs> Of course, uh, there are plenty of theories that think uh, plenty of things. <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of people, and they have all sorts of opinions. And I'm um, going to tell you right now, they are not worth discussing. Now, usually, we would give some translation or maybe some etymology of the name of these places. But the origins and translations of Tiwanaku, Pumapunku, all that stuff around there are unknown. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, nobody knows what they they, they went through the door for. to hell and they never came back. Some people have said uh, Puma Punku stands for Door of the Puma. Oh, I think that's lame. Some people also say that Lake Titicaca looks like a puma chasing a rabbit, and I want to kick those people in the balls. It's not the puma. The age of Tiwanaku was first theorized by Professor Arthur Poznansky in the 1920s using what's called archaeoastronomy. Right, which, I mean, which under the best of circumstances is still circumstantial evidence. Sure. Uh, He postulated, based on the tilt of the Earth and the alignment of the complex as an astronomical temple, that the date of the site was closer to 15,000 years old. Uh, His math was verified by a a number of of different uh, scientists, professors and such at the time. This was, again, in the 20s. And his his colleague, Rolf Muller, also uh, verified this stuff and suggested. uh, And I think uh, Rolfi was... uh, Also uh, a comedian dog puppet. (laughs) He he was also an accomplished pianist. Um, That's right. He was the piano playing one. He also said that Machu Picchu was older than than what people thought. But uh, carbon-14 dating has been done since then. And said that uh, the age of the place is, is closer to the 300 to, to 1000 uh, CE time frame. Yeah, he had, he had, what he had done is it, it made a couple of very large assumptions. Something that no uh, current archaeologist would do is that he, he said, oh, everything is so precise. It must line up specifically with uh, the sunrise and sunset. And so he picked, honestly, his favorite set of stones. And said, well, this, these are the big guys, so it's probably aligned here. But I noticed that the sunrise and sunset doesn't align just right. So then he did the math because of precession mm-hmm. of, you know, the stars actually do change exactly how they move over time. And he said, oh, 15,000 years ago, this, this would have perfectly lined up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hope and a prayer and a guess. I mean, the science is all correct. He's right. 15,000 years ago, all right. of it lined up. But there's a lot of presupposed ideas underneath that that make it not as valid a belief. And there's also uh, some validity that's called into question with the carbon-14 dating. Since the site has been picked over and looted so many times right. since the, the 16th century and before that, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like a CSI scene where somebody has come in and just peed on it everywhere. And then, I love that episode. And then the uh, the CSI guys get there, and <laughs> looks like this crime scene needs to be hung out to dry. Yeah! Oh. All right, that's it. That's it. One. We're done. Just one. Just I don't one. even get one. No, you get one. <laughs> I can't say you don't get one, but we can't just do these for the rest of because we we went down a crazy train of doing these once, <laughs> and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> um. All right, all right, all right. Wait, <laughs> okay, wait, wait. okay. If anybody thinks they know the real age of this place, 
their Puma Punkuku. Yeah! We are so good at what we do. Everybody gets up on. <laughs> and and yeah, and uh, when you have a large structure like this, just uh, I just we're gonna pretend that that none of that happened. We're just gonna keep going. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. Why do I smell toast? <laughs> um, do you, you want me to call an ambulance? <laughs> My left side's numb. <laughs> um, the you know when you have a large stone ruins like this, it it's a great place for people traveling to camp at, or for <laughs> hunters, or you know anyone who's passing through, or anybody who wants to build a church nearby. <laughs> right, anybody who just wants to live there for fifty years is a drop in the bucket to the lifespan of this thing. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, they build fires. There's there's bones. There's, there's farming it, on the land. I yeah, think. Yeah, there's there's a thousand things that that contaminate the true date of it. So it is. It's just this side of, of impossible to figure out. Yeah. Uh, so. So both the the validity of of carbon fourteen and Poznanski's uh, figuring kind of suspect, but right. personally, I, I kind of lean toward Poznanski just oh. in, in the fact that well, I, I go I'll, I'm leaning more towards the carbon dating for two reasons. One, I think that they are a little. I mean, like now they're more subjective. They're more careful about their sampling, so it's I feel like there's more effort put towards accuracy. Mm-hmm. Two, I don't trust the Polish. <laughs> <laughs> Two reasons. Those. That's what I've got. He was. I think he was half Polish, half Bolivian. Well, I don't. I. I, ha, I only half believe him. Okay. So. Uh, so I. I lean towards him just in. In the fact that I. I think there could have existed uh, stuff that long ago, and mm-hmm. as we have seen with Gobekli Tepe, it's leaning towards being that old as well. Yeah. So why not? You know, both of which we'll get to this may have been touched by the one, the only. Flood of what? old, the deluge, as Man, it were. It's, it's coming, people. Um, you want to know a two-parter when you smell one? That's coming. <laughs> Build your boats Part, now. <laughs> yeah, start building. <laughs> Part one, it's the shadow that comes over you from the wall of water. That's right. You need to get like uh, those otter boxes for your pod for your iPhones, because that's how much we're going to be flooding them. Oh, the the one thing, though, that, that irks me is that with all of these sites, these ancient sites... I feel like everybody that comes and studies them and starts working with them, and especially some of the ancient alien crowd. Um, man, I, I'm biting my tongue. I don't even know why. Especially with that crowd that comes in here, it, it's always got to be some kind of astronomical alignment going on. Yep. It's like, yeah, you can't build something without it pointing towards Sirius the Dog Star or Beetlejuice out of Orion's belt. You know, it's like everything has to correspond with something in the heavens. Yeah, also, this instant assumption that it's impossible there's no way it could have happened any other way <laughs> no it's not it's everything's impossible if it happened more than a hundred years ago it's not possible we couldn't have done that no human would be capable of such thing what is this a temple complex for ants <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah you that is the other thing that that irritates me about ancient aliens is like this Mankind is a bunch of morons, and it took a spaceship to change all that. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I got news for you. This bunch of morons is actually murdering an entire planet. Yeah, you can't be stupid and kill an entire planet. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> so that's a pretty big feather in our cap. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it, it's always irked me that something has to line up with something. <sighs> Anyway, let's add to this legend. Okay. And let me tell you a little mythology about that. Please do. Um, 
there are some local legends which say that uh, Tiwanaku was there before their ancestors, before the people who, who tell about it, and has always been there since uh, the beginning of time. They say that it appeared over the course of one night, and it's related to the gods in the time of the first creation, when the uh, god Viracocha created giants to move huge stones and build this place. And after a while, he became upset with them and brought about a great flood to destroy them. Thanks for the stones, dummies. And then after, after he was sure that they were all gone, he created humans out of rock and brought them to life through the earth. Now, does that sound familiar to you? Just a bit. Yeah? Just a very small amount. We mentioned it before about uh, a lot of stuff after the conquistadors came in there. And I love how you say that every time. You <laughs> always give it its due. And uh, <laughs> I, I shouldn't. They were really terrible people. But uh, after they came in there and started spreading their, their dirtiness, dirtiness around, mm-hmm. a lot of the legends, a lot of the stuff, uh, the culture of the area got real Christianized. They didn't like how, you know, this one legend was going or something like that. So when they wrote about it or when historians started putting things together, you could get a real tart Christian flavor out of out of that stuff. Well, and it, which, which, I mean, and by no means apologizing for what they did, but I mean, at that time, everyone who was educated was educated through the church, mm-hmm. you know, and these, you know, so they, they have a perspective whether through direct combat or indirect uh, contamination with disease. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have a culture that is largely oral and suddenly 90% of them are dead, <laughs> are you going to laugh at all those people dying? Nope. It's laughing at a largely oral culture by yeah. Lake Titicaca. <laughs> Sorry. I had to get mine in. I just tried to get above it. I, I pulled the I chest pulled, move I pulled on. your ass right back down to earth. <laughs> Happily to share the slop with you. Back in the mud. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so you have a, a a culture that if it is largely oral, if they if that's how they exchange information, and then ninety percent of them die. Yeah, I mean, what happened? <laughs> it's gonna be hard to keep up. Right, with that that's gone. History. And then there's and then there was the uh, a really concerted effort to remove or alter or change uh, everything that was written. Yeah, and and if it was written in gold, those had to be confiscated <laughs> for the good of their souls. Those had to be melted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's an interesting take on it. What if things were written in gold? Maybe writing was only done by the elites and the priests and stuff. So only for their eyes and God's eyes. It was written in gold. Nobody else could see it. It was too important to, to be written in stone. Yeah, maybe. The Spanish found it. Gold is a very down. soft metal. I don't know, man. Easy to write in it. Now, this isn't necessarily the case. I, I'm just I'm, I'm throwing this out there because so much stuff has had gotten Christianized by the Spanish that were coming in there. The legends and stuff like that, this legend of Viracocha, and there's many different variations of it, of course, but this legend that I that I just told, it's not necessarily uh, Christianized. I, I didn't find a place that said this is the version that has been passed down through the ages, and I didn't find anything that said this is the version that has been bastardized by the church to make it more like Genesis. Right. So... I'm not sure what to think about that. It is awfully close to what you find in the book of Genesis. At the same time, if it's not related church-wise, it's pretty damn interesting. Right. And and you know what? I think that it's probably a little both at this point. I mean, like like most of South American culture, it the history makes it really hard to tease those things apart. Yeah. As we've said before, the flood myth is so prevalent in so many cultures. Yeah. It, it would be hard to say that Christianity has touched 
every one of them and perverted it to to its nice Old Testament ways. That's right. And stuff. Yeah, we need to get back to the vengeful, wrathful stuff. That's more fun. Anyway, speaking of water, there are some theories that say Tiwanaku was a port at the edge of Lake Titicaca. Really? Yeah. But that the lake... Oh, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) You almost got it by me. You almost did it. The lake has receded almost 12 miles and dropped some 800 feet since then. Uh, that's not that's not impossible. That's It's not impossible. It's it's not an easy feat to to do for for the old landscape there. But could it be that a cataclysmic earthquake raised the lands around it or even some people say raised it some because the evidence uh is scant for both for the fact that the lake might have been up that high and uh, for the fact that lands around it may have raised up around it. There are some interesting theories, though, that say everything was kind of on the same level at the time, which made Tiwanaku kind of an island there with part of the lake by it. And then through just... Because this thing's on the edge of the Pacific Rim right around in there. The, yeah, I mean, it's... The old it's ring of a, fire. It's a seismically active area, but not... Like their their earthquakes are deeper. I actually just while you were saying this, just looked this up mm-hmm. uh, and, and pulled up a map, and it looks like the Bolivian earthquakes uh, the the on the coastline, right on the the plate line, was where you get like the the large uh, high magnitude earthquakes. But the it looks like in Bolivia, while they do have, especially on the western coast, they do have a lot of earthquakes. They're deep ground earthquakes. So I don't know if they maybe that means that it's more inclined to push Earth up, but it's not mm-hmm. like the big surface quakes that, that that level cities. Sure, sure. I mean, if if it's going under the plate that Tiwanaku was on, mm-hmm. that could push it up, I guess. Yeah, you know. But that is a theory that would explain maybe how the stuff kind of got wrecked overnight. Or True. suddenly, or how megaton blocks got toppled. Right. You know, the, nothing will do it like a lot of a lot of shaking and grooving there. Right. And and keep in mind, you know, like this is not a purely stone temple. I mean, at its high point, it is. The archaeologists think that it was covered with like shined metal plates that it Could was be. that it was adorned and um, amazing. And so to make people suddenly leave that mm-hmm. might take just a, a huge single action like that. That I think that's really plausible. Now, they have found, so they say, some remnants of shoreline around that area, but they're at an angle. So it kind of looks like if they were, they were level shoreline uh, markings, they've kind of been tilted to, I don't know, 45 degrees or something like that. Wow. Something, something weird. Now, to me, that, that sounds like... Something's got Earth raised up, yeah. yeah. Something. They they also say that the lake itself contains sediment that's close to twenty five thousand years old, and apparently some of the ruins of Tiwanaku are under six feet of sediment themselves, or hmm. what we would call the surface, just the ground. Right. They're they're about six feet buried, which would lend itself to a flood of some sort, bringing yeah. in so much sediment and silt and stuff to cover that stuff up. Assuming and it happened quickly. Also, right. if this is 15,000 years old, that can just happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, legends persist of ruins below Lake Titicaca could have been built before the flood, and then that water floods in, fills mm-hmm. up that area. You know, it, I don't know. It's There's so many paths to go on right with thinking about this stuff also it could have been deliberately partially buried i mean just like uh, go back Tepe. well yeah maybe they decided to close up shop and, and bury it and i think we even mentioned with go back Tepe, maybe the 
the thought that it wasn't deliberately buried as well. Maybe it could have been brought in by huge, humongous tidal waves. Right. And the sediment uh, is carried with those to, to bury that stuff. I don't know. That's some of the most interesting stuff to me. And they, they say that because of the shells and some of the sea life that is found mixed in with some of that yeah. stuff in there. And some of the locals, of course, claim to see strange lights come and go from the, beneath the lake and things like that. Now, uh, who knows what? Right. That's just a bunch of crazy loons. <laughs> well, it, until it's, it's our next episode, then they're very credible people. <laughs> so, to get into some more theories of of this junk, um, let's let's tackle the uh, the old alien theory. Oh, thank you. I've been waiting for you to lower the pinata, and I'm not wearing a blindfold <laughs> no, because it's on your head to collect sweat. Right. That's now. right. Oh man. So, so I, I watched the Ancient Aliens episode. Sure. And I, I mean, I love the show Ancient Aliens, just in the fact that it, it has introduced me to different ideas of stuff. And that's real. See, now that's, that is elevated of you. I'd never watched it. Never ever, seen it. Ever. Ep- no. Never seen an episode of, of Ancient Aliens. But I hated it just the same. <laughs> I make no apologies for my, my one sided view of things. Okay, okay. Unless I'm forced to, then I will. Uh, but I watched it, and you get the ancient aliens guy, and you get his mentor. Gre- Greeky? Or Gre- hairdo? The or? Gre- Greeky hairdo. Okay. And then you get the German guy, whose book I have. Eric von Daniken? Yes. The world is a very complex place, and, and very few things are simple and cut and dry. So when you have someone who leads off with, it is impossible that this could have happened. Like, that's a red flag. Yeah. You know, when you, when you give no credence to other possibilities, to me, it says you're coming from a weak position. Sure. If you're like, I have to shut all these doors as fast as I can in order to bolster my viewpoint. Yeah. Um, and so the things that they point out, the, the straightness of the lines, the perfect 90 degree blocks. One thing I enjoyed is that the guy pulls out a, a T-square mm-hmm. to show how these things are 90 degrees. And even as he's saying it, he's rocking it. They're not 90 degrees. <laughs> They're very close. They're amazingly done. Yeah. But they're not. They're not. They weren't built by a gigantic AutoCAD machine that was dropped from the heavens. <laughs> um, they talk about the, the straightness of the lines and how they cut this stone. They, as a matter of fact, they even mentioned the composition of the stone. They said, there's no sandstone here at all. It's all just diorite. Di- diorite? Diorite? I think they call yeah. it. And he's like, it's the next hardest thing next to diamonds. So you had to have diamonds in order to cut it. Which is nothing that he said there is true. A ton of it is sandstone. Yes. The rest is andesite. Yeah. And you don't, even if it was, even if it was this super stone that he's talking about, the Egyptians made sculptures out of this stuff. <laughs> Nothing's impossible. And, and when you use uh, sand, is an amazingly good polishing agent. Yeah. All it takes is elbow grease in this, you know, sometimes some, a lot of slave labor. But when you, when you just keep saying nothing's, oh, it's impossible, they had to have this. You're you're painting yourself into a corner. Yeah, even the Greeks knew that. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't it Plato that said the one thing I know is that I don't know anything? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a profession of ignorance is the beginning of wisdom. And he's talking about oh, you had to have this, these routered lines. There are these channels cut through the stone. He's like oh, well, you had to have a router to do this. Well, I'm sure you think that because that's as far as you've thought through it. <laughs> but they've actually done recreations. They can use a copper saw which doesn't even have teeth. It's just a long, thin piece of copper. Not even that thin. It's like a quarter inch thick. Hmm. And again, sand. This amazing abrasive uh, thing about sand is that you put it into the groove and you slide this thing back and forth and the sand abrides out the stone. Hmm. And it's a lot easier, obviously, with a sandstone 
but it gets the job done regardless. And you can polish surfaces to a, a really solid sheen. And it showed all these examples in the in their in their show. And and just a quick tool around the internet shows you that all of these things were possible. They said, oh well, you, you know, these people didn't have written language. They couldn't have formulated plans. I mean, and they you know they had all these right angles. The Egyptians who built their pyramids, unarguably, mm-hmm. before this, you know, by any timeline, uh, and, unless know, it's the right fifteen thousand years ago time. But it's not hard to make a right angle. It's not hard to make a plumb bob. All of these things the Egyptians had well in hand. They could they could do it. Sure. So why couldn't these people do it? I get being in wonder of something, and I love it. I think it's amazing when you find something that just blows your mind. But then just to say, oh well, then it was impossible. So let me write a work of fiction that explains it. Yeah. Well, that that's another thing. Like, from where we're sitting, the aliens theory, I think, is one of those one time out of 100 possibilities. Right. It's not off the table, of, of, of course. It could always happen. We don't know what happened, therefore it could happen, you know? Yeah, and I... And I, and I, I I recognize that, and I'm not saying that that it's not possible that there was involvement there. Right, right. Because there are places I think it is. But but what I'm what we I'm shortchange the people that I mean we we shortchange human beings yeah. being capable of that if we if we go that route. And I guess I guess I, to be more specific, what I am refuting is the opinion of that TV show. The the not the possibility. Yeah, the the 100. It's impossible. Anything else but aliens. Yeah, they yeah. they say they're like. This is the one site on Earth that was entirely made by aliens. I mean, like, come the f*** on, guys. Calm down, please. <laughs> like, just just because we're talking about aliens, just because we're talking about the unexplained, doesn't mean we get to abandon all reason, yeah. tear our shirts off, and run off into the woods of our imaginations. <laughs> I was able to, to land that metaphor at the last second. <laughs> do, do you use some uh, Nazca lines for guidance? <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I mean, so it, it, it is. It is possible. You know, like all things are possible. Oh, Anything yeah, yeah. could have happened. But when you say there's only one way this could have possibly happened. Then it's boom. Right. You're, you're kind of discounted. Yeah. And so, and so um, I guess so. Just to be clear one, one more time, it's the ancient aliens hypothesis that I find so disdainful. Not the possibility that aliens were involved or that we don't know so much about this place. Yeah, yeah. What about Atlanteans? I like that more. (laughs) Uh, Refugees from Atlantis that found refuge in the Andes Mountains, possibly because of a flood. What? I don't know. The Atlanteans have water problems. (laughs) And uh, they use their advanced knowledge to build a civilization there. Now, uh, proponents reference the similar design and pyramids around the world uh, with kind of the step pyramid designs you find with the Aztec, with the Mayas, uh, Egyptians, even some of their earlier stuff, and uh, maybe even Alabama. Yeah, <clears throat> <laughs> it's coming. But uh, that that also leaves us the question: Where was Atlantis then? Is it the classic Bermuda in the Atlantic Ocean region, or could it be Indonesia, which some people have uh, started throwing out there lately? Which is very interesting because they're finding pyramids buried in the jungles there. We're absolutely going to have to do a huge episode on it. Oh, Atlantis is going to be a, a two-part. I mean, that's... I'm tired. I'm tired just know, thinking man. about it. Yeah, it's that's fun. Part of that, that flood myth that I was talking about with the, the things were, were mixed in mm-hmm. together, uh, that Poznansky found... Apparently, lacustrine flora as well as various fish skeletons mixed with the human skeletons and the alluvia that was around uh, the site 
when he was uh, doing the digging and, and oh, looking. Oh, see, now that's way cooler. Right? So that, again, this is sea sediment that's, yeah. they're thinking, around 25,000 years old. That's up here, you know, in this part of the Andes, 12,000 some odd feet above sea level. They're also saying, how did how did this, the uh, Lake Titicaca is a bit brackish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit brackish itself. It's got some sea stuff in it, including seahorses that are alive now. Yeah. Which seahorses are only found in the sea. Yeah, thus the name. It's not a clever moniker. But not being connected to the Pacific Ocean at all, maybe through a small river that that's coming out of it, well, but going out of it. Yeah, there's the, the, the mighty running this? of the seahorses every year. They, 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 they gallop upstream. They, get, they, they carve out uh, monkeys on the land, and yeah. then they head down to Lake Titicaca. They get, they get inside... <laughs> They get inside the monkey's brains and control it like a video, like a little video game go kart. Anyway, they're saying, how did this lake get what's, for, I mean, for lack of a better term, seawater in it? Yeah, could it be that it was connected to the ocean at one time, or that a huge flood brought in those, water? Uh, those hypotheses are impossible. It's impossible for that to happen. Now, large alien craft could have taken on an enormous amount of seawater for their coolant to systems fill an and alien made lake. dropped it because they were afraid of forest fires are above the tree line <laughs> thus forming the lake uh, the the above the tree line thing well for one thing transporting these blocks has been proven that it can be done yeah. Everyone and almost blocks- easily Every one of those blocks has drag marks on it. The kind of cobble that their their roads were paved with yeah. is actually conducive to sliding those things along. And with even a small force of humans, you can get those things from one place to another. Mm-hmm. And the, the stones have, again, as a testament to their skill, the stones have all these knockouts and specially carved niches for ropes and 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 sit and, yeah. and grapples and like as means of moving the blocks sure. the, the whole recipe is right there yeah and there's a youtube video you can find where it shows a recent uh team of uh i guess bolivian dudes in the area have <laughs> who, been who probably you owe a beer to yeah. at this point because that can't have been fun they show how how a huge megaton block is they even cross a river with it oh and and uh and take it up at least through the town but um it's it's very much possible so and and with uh titicaca if they're getting the <laughs> the stone from a quarry on the other side of it it has also been proven and shown and tested that reed boats can float these things across even at their massive weight they knew I guess the displacement proportions yeah. and stuff of the boats to be able to just to, to float them across. I can never wrap my head around no. how like a battleship remains afloat. Yeah, I don't. I I I will never understand. <laughs> nope. I was, but like all this, the tons of steel just floats in water. All We're right. from landlocked states. We don't have yeah. to worry about I, it. I, 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 now, now, Annapolis, David Flora, he knows what's up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't think twice about it. It makes perfect <laughs> sense to him. So, uh, the transportation of blocks is, uh, I don't even think that's even called into question. I don't think you have yeah. to do it. Now, there are some, some of the legends that say the blocks were floated through the air by the sound of a trumpet. That's very interesting. And we will be getting into some uh, acoustic phenomenon that's not sky trumpets later on, I think, in, in the year. Yeah. Uh, some very, very cool stuff. But... 
This this episode is is like a, a gigantic teaser for upcoming episodes. We're really. I mean, this is one of those nodes on the cork board. Nodes, nodes, in your, nodes in, in, in your crazy basement where you have all the yarn all going to <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, this is a connector. This is a hub for you. So, uh, let's talk about this wall of carved heads. You seen this thing? No. This sunken courtyard in the complex of of Tiwanaku with walls that have stone heads carved and placed in it, said to represent all races of mankind. There are some human heads that are uh, carved in hats. Some are in turbans. Uh, they have different sized noses, different sized lips. Every one of these is, is different, and there are two that people claim to look like gray aliens. Really? Yeah. Do I think they look like that? No, but that's me. Does that bolster the ancient aliens people? Of course, because anything does. Yeah, th- those are those are really interesting. Um, I wish I just tried to look some up on the internet because I hadn't heard of this part of it. And they just keep showing the same three heads, and one of them looks like a Muppet. It, it really does. Really, really does. This wall, to me, it looks like one of the walls that was made, quote, recently. <laughs> you know? But it like may not be. <laughs> it, it, it may not be. I mean, these, these heads could have been placed in this wall, or they, they could have been from other things scattered around the, the area that some somebody just came in and was like, I think this will look good here. Let's just make this wall of heads. Yeah, anyway. it doesn't seem very Tiwanakan, the wall. Yeah. It, it seems uh, a little little haphazardly thrown together. But, which, is, which is hilarious that we're saying it's actually a beautiful wall and everything all matches up, but these guys set the, the bar so high for stonework right. that you're like, who are the drunken hobos who put this <laughs> crap together? So so that's a fun thing to, to uh, Google up for yourselves. Uh, how about the Fuente Magna Bowl? You heard of this thing? You uh, Hey, Dave. You, uh, hey, everybody. You guys, uh, you guys you, heard of the Fuente heard Magna Bowl? Fuente Magna Bowl? It's... Uh, <laughs> Says something I put uh, put my guacamole in on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> it's my joke. <laughs> you got a Jay Leno. I've got yeah. a David Letterman. <laughs> you, uh, you, uh, you got another kind of thing. Fuente Magna Bowl. Fuente Magna Bowl. It's an artifact uh, that was found by a local peasant near uh, Titicaca. <laughs> it's a large stone vessel that resembles a something like a libation bowl. It has cuneiform writing on one section of the rim, and another section of it has kind of a Semitic-style language, which scholars have dated to be around 3500 to 3000 BCE. And that would put it in the period of Sumerian or Akkadian. Now, the crazy thing with this is, how is there a cuneiform artifact at a South American archaeological site, right? Well, I mean, this this is a new part. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. That's out of place artifact if you didn't listen to that episode, which you should. It's a delight. The ancient aliens guys will say this is uh, irrefutable proof of the Anunnaki coming down and helping civilization start. Since they started out with the Sumerians and Mesopotamia, yeah. then I guess hopped their little spacecraft and, and jetted over to uh, Bolivia and uh, just dropped a bowl. I don't know. It's, well, it's weird. What? How did it get there, of yeah. course? Or, or there's just, you know, there's another theory that there's just intercontinental, there's transoceanic traffic. Mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. there was trade before Columbus, that there was people going back and forth across the Pacific, you know. The only thing that kind of kicks that idea in the balls is the fact that the origin of this bowl would be pretty much the complete polar opposite end of the planet. Right, yeah. It's. I mean, this bowl would go on a journey that would make the Brave Little Toaster look like a homebody. Yeah. 
I yeah, love the brave little toaster. Brave little couch potato. That's right. So yeah, and that that is those kind of things are there are awesome. I mean, I actually really wish that we had had that in our oop arts. Yeah, episode. yeah. I, I didn't see that when we were covering that. So this is cool. So like we we start with one mystery, and then there's all these tiny little other mysteries, like little breadcrumbs all around it. Mm-hmm. So if you get a time machine, go here because yeah. clearly. Yeah. going down in this area this this would be a fun one to to check out for sure i think uh set it to uh, twelve thousand years ago see what you get like us on facebook and uh <laughs> take your time machines to the following uh temporal coordinates <laughs> sorry my my time machine doesn't get wi-fi so. <laughs> Damn it. and if you have a time machine don't worry about stumble upon you get a pass. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, go back and invent StumbleUpon and make it worthwhile. <laughs> there you go. Uh, StumbleUpon's actually fun. If you, I have if a, you get I have there, a time machine, and rather than go back and invent Google or anything, I invented StumbleUpon. Yes. Yeah. I felt like it needed a, a little stronger hand at the till. <laughs> So that's a good chunk of a big chunk. history, archaeological big rock. Yeah, so so that's Tiwanaku for you in, in a very accurately cut but massive nutshell. Yeah, in, in beautifully polished nutshell. Oh, what do, what do you think of that? I, I loved that. That was an awesome one. I, it's one of my favorite mysteries. It's like a, a really good entree with a bunch of really great side dishes all around it. Yeah, you get, uh, you get some asparagus. You get some garlic mashed potatoes. You get some uh, cheddar grits. God. <laughs> You got some uh, carbs and greens. That's right. What else do you need? Oh, I know. Puns. Yeah. Sugary, sweet puns. For dessert. And I'm going to lead the charge. Do it. I I saw your face light up a couple times during this. I got got, one. I'm ready this time. I'm selling uh, bumper stickers to the Bolivian government. Yeah. Let's say if this van is Tiwa rockin', don't come a Tiwa (laughs) knockin'. You get it? Because you're in the van, you're doing it. <laughs> With a lady. <laughs> With a titty caca. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> great. I, I, I got to tell you right now, mine are weak this week. Good. Because um, you've been kicking my ass. Oh. I don't feel bad about that. I've got a chocolate company. Oh, okay. We get a, we get a lot of kind of aged chocolate bars mm-hmm. you know but you don't you don't quite know how old the, the chocolate is but that's okay it's tiwa nakoko uh, <laughs> i got it you get it yeah it's good. You get it? Get it. Are, you, are you enjoying the flavor they're finally cut bricks of chocolate though oh nice i keep hearing they're imported but i swear to god that they came from they're regionally sourced <laughs> all right i got one for you uh they're not greek i can tell you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the um the new dev- the new unit of measurement to describe any problem will henceforth be known as the uh, Puma pumpkin. What the Puma pumpkin? That sounds like that sounds like something you call your your child. Oh, it, that I do. All of my children's. <laughs> my puns are my children. Yeah. yeah. No, that's instead of just uh, describing things using a pumpkin. Oh God! Where where have I been? I don't know, man. I just figured I'd back the truck up and try to try to get it over the ramp again, which is always the sign of a good joke and a good pun when you have to explain it. So I'm gonna go uh, go out with a record of one and oh, we'll go with a, yeah. I just got uh, the bumper stickers. Yeah, I was really pleased with that. We'll have to make those. Okay, so I've got I've got a business. It's not not necessarily a pun. Okay, it's it's a business for you. I'll allow it. Okay, good. <laughs> this is the uh, Viracocha Brothers Gym. <laughs> we'll make your body like a rock. Nice. 
I like that a lot. Yeah. So I've uh, I got one more. Oh, great! I got, I got one more. Man, you you sneak you sneak an extra one in every week. It's, <laughs> it's nice. I, yeah, I like it. I got I got one more. It's an adult club. Yeah. For people above the age of twenty-one. Oh. That uh, features topless ladies and bottomless <laughs> gentlemen, <laughs> but only people who have had plastic surgery, and it's called Fake Titty Caca. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? Do you get it? <laughs> this thing writes itself. Geography is my friend. Oh, man. Yeah, goodness. You know what uh, fits perfectly together with the puns that we just did? Uh, no, I don't. You don't know? Something that fits so well that you can't get anything. You Couldn't can't even, even get a... Probably not even crafted by the mortal hands. No, probably not. Well, um... I've got an idea now. The thing that, that slides just so perfectly right into this joint. What? Listener puns. What? Those are our illegitimate children. I don't know if anyone knows that. We recorded them and then then never talked to them again. They Uh, seem so excited to see us and then we just turn around and uh, left. Do do they know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Listen, our pun. I'm going to start out this week. Uh, We got another pun from uh, Grey Cat. Fancy Cat. Fancy Cat, you're back. Hey. I love Fancy Feast. Uh, Grey Cat says, I was listening to the commentary for The Empire Strikes Back, and Lucas said they cut several scenes at the beginning of the movie in which Princess Leia noticed a guy flying around the rebel base before the Empire destroyed it. That guy was called the Hothman. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Way nice. to go, Fancy Cat. Well done. well done. Way to use Star Wars. Yeah! Improperly. Yeah. Well Brilliant. done. Thank you. Well, I'm gonna enjoy gonna... your fancy feast because we have fancily feasted upon your pen. I hope somebody put it in a crystal goblet. <laughs> I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep this thing rolling. We got. Uh, uh, we got an email from uh, Emerson, woo! the winningest listener to this podcast that ever there was. <laughs> it's funny. He's got a, a very upscale invitation-only comedy club run by Baba Yaga. Alternating Fridays, a special code word is needed to enter. Mm. It's called. Baba Haha's Chicken Chuckle Hut. <laughs> Baba Haha. Yeah. Baba Haha? Yeah. Baba Haha. <laughs> well done, but Emerson. There is still a two drink minimum. Yeah, of course. Yeah, those are $12 drinks. And don't piss off the wait staff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nicely done. Thank you, Emerson. Great, great. Thanks, you guys. Uh, thanks for the puns this week. Yeah. Uh, everybody else send in some more. Yeah, I wish I wish we had anything else to announce. I wish there was something else, but we just don't have anything. Oh, my God. Wait, Flora, tell us what we have to announce. Uh, we, we have some news for you guys. Uh, we're we're, we're kind of happy about this. Uh, if I'm not even kind of happy. I'm uh, putting my heart on the line. We're, we're super happy about this. We were chosen as finalists for the 2013 Parsec Awards. Ba-ba-boosh! These awards uh, spotlight uh, podcasts that are... are f***ing awesome. <laughs> are awesome. They're mostly for like speculative fiction and things like that, but they, mm-hmm. they do have a category uh, in there that we snuck in. Actually, we, we snuck into... Dose. Podcastos. Uh, we were chosen as finalists for the uh, Best Fact Behind the Fiction podcast mm-hmm. and the uh, Best New Podcaster team. Woo! High five uh, for a team on the radio. Shabam! Uh, oh, I can't reach. Too we're, far. We're too far, but... We're not even on the radio, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, we're pretty happy about that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so thanks, we'll, thanks you guys for for listening to us and and making us better ourselves and and seem legit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're 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 working towards legitimacy, and this is a major step. So we're excited about it, and we'll yeah. keep you posted on the on how that turns out. Yeah, the awards are going to be held at uh, Dragon Con down in Atlanta this year. Yep. So and, uh, uh, we we are actually now trying to determine what we will be dressing as. So if you have any suggestions. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take a listener suggestion. You guys have not steered us wrong with suggestions so far. True. So dress us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're hoping to attend if if everything goes right, yeah. and uh, we we might even do a special on the road episode for mm-hmm. you guys, which roadcast will will be terrible quality, but uh, a lot of fun and and something special. Do you have any idea how weird we're gonna get on like a ten hour road trip, just yeah. just driving and getting weirder and weirder and weirder, driving down through my home state? Yep. It's going to be awesome, so, so we'll uh, keep you posted. Yeah, we'll let you know how it goes, but uh, uh, we're super happy, and we, yeah. we want to tell somebody. And you're a part of that. And you are very much a part of it. You, you'd you be doing us a huge solid if you yeah. went out there and uh, liked us on Facebook. Yeah, it's not like we're asking you to drag a block of stone <laughs> between 6 and 15 miles, potentially across a booby poo poo lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to uh, subscribe on on YouTube, I, I'm getting out the old episodes on there, just in you know big our big classic chunks, episodes, our classics. But uh, we'll be putting some some fun junk on there soon, and that's all I'll say about that. Stumble upon us. That's Twitter. Twitter us with uh, blurry underscore photos. Huge help to us if you could uh, rate us on iTunes and yeah. uh, uh, write a, a, a nice glowing review or I don't anything wanna, at all. I don't want to jinx it, but I looked up our reviews the other day, which I had never done. No? No, I'm I'm not. It's the better kind of, to not watch the pot boil. I know, I know. That's which why I don't. I'm not the kind of person that, that really needs that kind of input. Yeah. We have a perfect record. Oh. I don't want to jinx it, but we're batting a thousand. We have a perfect unblemished five-star record. Wow. We're going to get people out there that are not going to like what we If we're we've doing done. our jobs right, we if will. We're, yeah. If, if we make people right, think. Giorgio Suka, Suka Chachki oh. is going to get, get on there and be like, yeah, I exactly. don't think these all, guys are legit. One all, star. All the Greekies are coming after me. <laughs> Come at me, Greeks. There's only one that's bad. I know, but they're a family. I believe them to be organized. I am becoming, without any hint of, of, of sarcasm or irony, exactly like the grandpa from So I Married an Ex-Murder. Just an American version. <laughs> the Rothschilds. The, the Gettys. Gettys. <laughs> Known as the Pentaveret. They meet in a secret location in Colorado known as the Meadows. That's exactly what I'm becoming. It's like an orange on a toothpick. Yeah, that kid's head is huge. <laughs> So the iTunes is, is a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah, it, please it helps do. Us a lot. It makes us look uh, I don't know legitimate. I guess if you don't think we are, then don't do it. So yeah. you're, you're entitled to your fucking opinion. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you should. I do? I don't know why I'm so angry. I'll tell you what. Write us a great review and then send us hate mail. <laughs> yeah, if, and we will yeah. we will address the hate mail on the air. Sure, we'll yeah. go into the penalty box if you want us to. Yeah, which see, we haven't been able to. We're just like we're like children. If if we're bad, you have to you have to hit us. There's no other way to teach a child, <laughs> but, but but hitting them. So everyone knows that. Take corporal punishment out of the school. <laughs> right. Look at America now. Exactly, we're a lawless nation. It's lost its way. So, for this episode of Blurry Photos, I have been David Lacustrine Flora. 
Whoa! Yeah, you, yeah, I mentioned it once. You got to yeah. go back and find it. All right, all right. I'm probably saying it wrong. And I'm Dave Stitty Coco. <laughs> yeah, see, it's like the lake, but it's my name. <laughs> yeah. Buenas noches. <laughs> 